Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, this week we're going to be shifting gears. Uh, We're going to be going back to the Old Testament. And I love reading about the Old Testament characters. I think there is so much value of us looking to them. This past fall, we looked at Samuel's life. And we had spent time looking at how Samuel was the prophet and the judge and the priest over over Israel. Well, this week we're going to turn to Joshua. And what I love about looking at the Old Testament is that they are examples to us. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10.6, this is Paul writing about those of the past. He says this, He says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Paul is speaking about Old Testament people and how God's people walked a certain way and how we can look to them as an example to us. And Joshua, which is the title of this week's sermon series, which is very creative, by the way. Um, I just feel like I'm I'm really killing it lately on a being creative with the, with the sermon titles. Well, Joshua, you may not know this, but there's an entire book written by Joshua about Joshua. So uh, we're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Joshua chapter 1 and please stand this morning as we read the Word of God and as we look to God's servant here. So this is Joshua 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9 this morning. It says this. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that, that I am giving to you, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I had promised to Moses. From the wilderness and from this Lebanon, as far as the great rivers, the rivers, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, verse 5, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to, to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all, that the, all, to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Verse 9, I have, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be, be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we look to your word. Father, I I ask, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that you will speak to us, that we will look at your servant Joshua, how you led him, 
And Father, may you come and may you speak and encourage us and challenge us today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. I need to give you a quick backstory because I think that's always important for when we look to God's Word. So we are jumping in into Joshua here, and you might be wondering, well, what's going on here? Well, I've shared this many, many times, but you may need a quick reminder of what had taken place in the back, back story here. God had spoken to a man by the name of Moses. You might be wondering, oh, I re- remember Moses. Now, Moses was spoken to, and God said, Moses, I need for you to go down to Egypt. The reason why is because my people have been enslaved for 400 years. Okay, so Moses goes down to Egypt and talks to Pharaoh, and you get all the plagues, and then God leads Moses and the people out of slavery and out of Egypt. Well, then they are about to go into the promised land, and it's not going to happen. The people are grumbling. The people, uh, they're not going to make it. And God says, listen, Moses, I'm going to let you see the the promised land, but you're not going to be the one to lead them in there. And so they were heading there, and then you've got Joshua. Joshua, and the Lord says, Joshua, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. Now, when you first read this, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, so God's got some people, and they're going to go from one area to another area. I got to give you a little bit of context of what is taking place here. We're not talking about a handful of people moving from Marquette to Nagani, okay? We're not talking about just a little task here. Uh, They estimate between 600,000 to 2.4 million people are moving during this time. So I want you just to try to like just try to comprehend like what is happening here. That many people come up out of, of, of Egypt. They're going to go and take this land. Joshua, you are going to be leading them. This is a huge task here that is taking place. Well, back to a little bit more background. The reason why God's people did not make it into the promised land. Um, well, we got to turn to Numbers chapter 13. I want to kind of catch you up here. Moses had sent some spies into the land just to check out what is happening there. Moses said, listen, I want you to go down there, check out this land, report back to us. What kind of land are we talking about here? Also note that this land was occupied. It's not like this was barren ground here, but Numbers 13, the spies come back, and this is what they told them, starting in verse 27, and they told them, we've come to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and it is fruitful. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are, for, are fortified and very strong. And besides, saw the de- descendants of Anak there. And the Almakites dwell in the land of Negib. The Hittites, the Jesuits, the Amorites dwell in the country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. So, these spies get sent out. The spies come back and say, here's the deal. The land flows with milk and honey, which to us, that means absolutely nothing, right? Like you're like, oh, there's milk and there's honey. Well, basically saying the land has amazing vegetation. 
meaning it can support people. It's got trees and it's got fruit and it can grow stuff and animals can be living there. But they come back and, and they say, but there's a problem. The city has big walls. Is that Jesus calling? I always want to just like wait for like every single time cell phone goes off. No. But basically, they come back and they say, listen, Moses, we got a problem. Cities, they're huge. The people are huge. Like imagine coming up to a city and you got these massive walls and then you got like NBA players everywhere, right? Like I'm just trying to just give you like a comprehension. Like we're talking six, five plus. They're big people. And they come back, and in verse 31, it says, The man who gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against these people. They are stronger than we are. So basically, God's people say, We can't do this. We can't go. They're too big. They're too strong. We cannot go. And on top of that, we're not going to go. And then God's people which is typical of God's people if you've ever read the Old Testament or, I don't know, some could argue today as well. Numbers 14. And all the congregation raised a loud voice. This is one through four. And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, What that we had died in the land of Egypt... Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. This is important. God's people are saying, listen, we can't do this task that God has called us to. Not only that, we want to go back to Egypt, which I've mentioned this a hundred times. What is Egypt? Slavery. They just want to go back to being in chains and beaten because they look at that as better than what God has called them to be. God had said, I'm going to lead you into this land. They said, no, we can't do this. So they grumble and they complain, and that's a whole other sermon series that we could be talking about here. But in the midst of this, look who's there. Numbers 14, starting in verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. Verse 6. Joshua. He shows up. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunim, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. I love this line. For they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all of the congregation said to stone them with with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meetings in all the people of Israel. In the midst of this, you've got Joshua. 
Joshua was one of those who went down there, who saw the people, saw the walls, saw how great the land was. And he stands up, him and Caleb, says, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and he will give it to us. Do not fear the people. And that one line, for they are bread to us. He says, oh, come on, you big crying babies. Oh, and there's a crying baby. That's, uh, that kind of works out there. Joshua's looking to the people, and he's like, come on. What are you doing? Really? You're going to be scared? You're going to be frightened by these people? Like, if God delights in us, he's going to give us this land. What's the problem here? Well, God's people aren't really too fond of Joshua and Caleb, and it says that they picked up stones and that they were ready to get rid of them. They did not want to live out what the Lord has called them to be. Now fast forward to Joshua's calling. I don't know if you, if you picked up on Joshua's words, if we're going we're gonna to jump back to Joshua chapter 1. The Lord said to him, we're going to be with you. You're going to lead my people, whatever ground you step on, Joshua. That will be the land that I have given to you, and I will be with you. Joshua 1.5, no man shall stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then look at what the Lord says, verses 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. To give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you might have good success wherever you go. Verse 9. And I have Commanded you. Have I not commanded you? Look at these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your, your God is, wor- is with you wherever you go. Do you pick up on a theme here, church, that the Lord speaks to Joshua? The first thing is, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. As I was with Moses... I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm there. But then three times, three times, the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Joshua, you're going to lead my people. But you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. Now, this seems obvious, right? Joshua knew the land that they were going into. Joshua understood what was before them. He knew the people are going to be big. The cities are going to be fortified. It's going to be big. This is a huge task ahead. And the Lord speaks to him. Be strong and courageous. The thing with courage, courage is only needed for those who know what lies ahead. I'm going to say that one again. Courage is only needed for those who know what lies ahead. 
might be sitting there thinking, like, what do you mean here? If you are naive, and if you do not know what the dangers are, you don't know what lies ahead. You don't know what you don't know. So you're naive to what the task is. You are naive to what lies ahead. Now, you might be a fool. I am oftentimes. Because oftentimes we don't know what lies ahead. But Joshua knew what lied ahead. He knew what he was going up against. He knew what was before him. He needed courage in order to accomplish what the Lord had called him to. Courage is needed when we are aware, church family. When we see the dangers, and when you move forward despite knowing what the dangers are. A great example would be our missionaries in the Middle East. I love, we've got a few of them that we support here, but when a missionary gets ready to go to the Middle East, they know what lies ahead. They know that they're going into a territory that's not friendly, that they're not going to be welcoming them with, you know, cupcakes and rainbows and teddy bears and being like, oh, welcome to Iran. We love you here. God's people at this time in the book of Joshua, they needed some courage. Like I said, they spent 40 years wandering in the desert because previously they didn't have any courage. They were actually fearful. They did not want to walk as what the Lord has called them to. They looked at what lied ahead, the big walls, the big people, and they were fearful. But then there's Joshua. I love Joshua. Because when the people came back and reported all that had taken place, you got two guys that stand up. Two guys that are like, listen, we can do this. God's with us. We can do this. They didn't want to listen. But see, God's people, they love to make a list on what they can't do. That's a, that is a common theme amongst God's people. Lord, you might have called me to this, but I'm going to give you a list on why I can't do that. We see that with, with Moses. That's such a great example there. The Lord called Moses. Moses is like, ah, I got a list here. Listen, Lord, I got a list. You might be calling me to do this, but I got a list on why I can't do this. And you see that time and time again. I always like it when our missionaries come here. I like what a, I kind of brought up our Middle Eastern missionaries. We got one guy down in, down in Egypt right now. And I hear this from church people sometimes. So I'm not picking on one of you. I'm picking on all of us here, okay? Oftentimes when a missionary comes and shares what the Lord is doing in these countries and how the Lord has called them to this task, I hear people say this quite a bit. I can never do that, Pastor. Pastor, I, I, I can't believe Norris is in, is in Egypt. I can't believe Josh is in Kyrgyzstan. I could never do that. And it's like, why? Why not? Well, I, I, you know, that's, that's, I, I just can't do that. 
Like I said, we are really good at giving out reasons, hundreds of reasons, on why we can't do this. And I, I think oftentimes, church family, the biggest thing that's holding God's church back is excuses. Time and time again. It's just like, well, Lord, I'd, I'd love to do this, but I can't. Here's my, here's my list. I got a big list. I can't do that. Now today, as we look at Joshua, well, what's the Lord calling the church to do? Is the church calling us here, Woodland and Marquette? Is he calling us to go and take the land up in Houghton? Should we all like go, like get, like just like get our arms together and there's going to be 200 of us and we're going to storm Houghton and we're supposed to be taking that northern land? Are we going to read Joshua and just think, well, they went north, we're in Marquette, where can we go? We got to like take the land somewhere. No. God's not calling us to come and take a land somewhere. But he is calling us to bring his kingdom somewhere. I can guarantee you that one. We're not here like what the Old Testament was for God's people to establish Israel, but we are here, church family, to establish God's kingdom on this side of heaven. That's our calling. And it's one of the most difficult tasks we will face. And honestly, it brings fear to most of God's people. Thinking about bringing God's kingdom to the world around us. Which means you have to talk to people. Which means you, you have to be a witness for Christ to the world around you. It is absolutely fearful for many people. And many, many American churchgoers, and I've shared this one before, but this statistic is heartbreaking. 90% of churchgoers over their span of their life. So from the time they, they start following Jesus to the day that they die, statistically, 90% of people will never tell one person about Jesus. This has been studied time and time again. It's like, wow, I'd love to tell someone about Jesus. But that's the key right there, the but. But not the right time becomes kind of awkward. I don't always have all the answers. I don't know my Bible well enough. I can't do this. I can't do that. The Lord spoke to Joshua in 1.5. And he said this, So as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. This is a common theme throughout God's word. Chronicles 28 20, David to Solomon. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Deuteronomy 31, Moses speaking to Joshua. Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all of Israel. Once again, you see these words. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers and to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. 
It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Matthew, Jesus talking. Jesus said to them, this is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What does Jesus say? Behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. You have this teaching, church family, throughout all of Scripture. And Joshua, we just happened to stumble upon him today. That God looks at his people. And he says, my first promise is this, I'm with you. Then he constantly says, be strong and courageous. Why? Because we've got a task that lies ahead of us. But we, we actually know what the road is ahead of us here, church family. The reason why we know is because Jesus told us many times. He told his disciples and he tells us, what is the road that is ahead of us? Is the road of being a Christ follower, being a witness, is it an easy road? No. Scripture teaches us, the world is going to hate you. They won't be friendly towards you. They won't like what you have to say. Friends will leave you. Family will leave you. Hard times will be ahead. They might try to cancel you the moment you quote Scripture. The moment we talk about sin, the moment we talk about Christ and what he has done. Which, newsflash, if you're going to tell someone about Jesus, you've got to talk about sin. Like, you have to. This isn't like, well, maybe we could, you know, you know, can't I just tell them that Jesus loves them and, you know, like, you know. They have a problem. Christ came for sinners. He died because of the world's sin. If we don't talk about sin, if we don't talk about right and wrong, we're, we're not helping them. I hate to like be the bearer of like bad news or well, pastor, you're just, you're just not a loving guy. You got to just like focus more on the love. It's like, well, scripture teaches us, John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, like every first sermon, repent. Like this word comes up. Well, why do they even need to know about that? Because they've got a sin problem. And Jesus is the only one who can take care of it. And what's going to happen is the moment you bring up sin, the moment you talk about it, we have to realize this. Scripture teaches the world loves sin. They love darkness. They don't want the light. They don't care about the light. They don't want to go into the light. They don't want anything to change. They, just, they want to live in darkness. That's like, that's like what Scripture teaches us time and time again. They love sin. They love darkness. But Jesus comes. We live in such a time where I never thought in my lifetime I would ever get here, where we can't even state a simple fact that boys are boys. I'm being honest. Like, you can't even say that these days, right? Like, it's like that's, that's called hate speech. And I'm like, what? Like, I mean, like, this is like Genesis 1. He created them, male and female. Like, like guys, we live in such a time where they're not going to like you. 
And I'm trying to give you some encouragement today. They don't like you. They're not going to like you. The moment you, you quote scripture, the moment you appoint someone to God's word, and it disagrees with anything about them, I don't like you now. Jesus warned us that. The kingdom of heaven is not for the cowards. Revelations 21.8. But as for the cowardly, he limps, he puts cowards in with the rest of them. The faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual, immoral, the sorcerers, the idolatries, and all the liars, their portions will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Cowards are faithless. They don't have faith in what the Lord can do. We see that within God's people. There's the land. Take it, God says. It's yours. Nah, we're not doing that. Too hard, too difficult. Can't measure up. I'm not the person. They were cowards and they were fearful. And that is such a warning to us. College students, it's very hard to share the gospel on the campus. Right? The professors, they don't want to hear it. Other students are like, you guys are terrible human beings. You guys don't love and, you know, you're bigots and all these other things. I just, we just hate you guys. But it's like, we have to be strong. We have to be courageous. This is the task that the Lord has called us to. Be strong. Be courageous. Why? He's with you. He doesn't leave you. He's not going to abandon you. Will there be hard times? Absolutely. It will be difficult. It will be tough. Church family? It won't be easy. Coworkers, family members, they may not like you. Okay. We still love them. We still care for them. We still bless them. But we bring this gospel message to them. Be strong and courageous, for I'm with you. We can't live in the what ifs. It's almost like we've become so used to this idea that our job is to make people happy. Our job is never to bring up bad news. We're supposed to be people of just, I always, I always just say cupcakes, rainbows, and puppies. That's like what I think of like, what's just the happiest thing? It's like rainbows, puppies, cupcakes. I like cupcakes. Probably donuts are a little bit better. But we have this idea that as a Christian, we're supposed to just not speak. Let's just, let's just, let's just be totally chill, right? Let's just be cool here, right? Let's not bring up anything. Let's not talk about anything. We're here just to love people, and we've bought into this idea that love equals agreement. Like, you know, like, like if you're going to love me, you must agree with me. And it's like, wait a minute here. I love the Lord, my Savior, my King. And I got a message for you. The message is, is the King sent his son to die for you. The King demands your life along with me. We give him our life. We don't live for us. We live for the King. We have to be people that are strong and courageous in the Lord. I'm sharing this with you, church family, because we need Joshua's. We truly do in the kingdom. The kingdom does not make it on the cowards. They truly don't. You know, they will accomplish nothing in this life. Nothing of kingdom value. 
They will skate through life. Well, you know, I, I would have I said something. I would have done something. I would have served. I would have loved. I would have forgave. I would have, I Lord, I would have. And it's like, well, then when is my question. And as I think about God's church, as I think about the church in America, they have shrunk back so much. They don't want to make any waves. They don't want to speak up. They're just, it's people living in fear of what could happen to us. And I'm, I'm here, church family. God says, I'm with you. Jesus promised it. He promised it to every one of his servants that's ever lived. I'm with you. It doesn't give us a right to be a jerk and to be mean and to be rude. It actually gives us a right to love, to share, to let them know who Christ is and what he has done and how Jesus calls us out of darkness and out of sin into a glorious life with him. But we, church family, we have to be courageous. We have to be strong. But it doesn't come from us. It comes from us being in him. Joshua's strength came from the fact that he knew God was with him. He knew it even when no one else knew it. Even when God's people were like, we can't do this task, we're not the ones, Joshua speaks up and goes, actually guys, uh, if God delights in us, which he does, because he loves us and he cares for us and he died for us and he desires us more than we'll ever even recognize on this side of heaven. And he's like, if God's with us, he delights in us, why can't we? Joshua, Joshua literally says, they're bred to us. Meaning like we're going to easily dominate them. Not because of us, but because God is with us. And church family, I wanted to leave you with that encouragement this week. You guys probably know this line. If God is for us, Anthony, come on, come on, come on. Who can be against us? Thank you. See, Anthony's back in the front row. I like this. So then, you know, I can call upon him. If you've been here for a while, I pick on Anthony quite a bit. I'll get you coffee or something. Don't worry. Okay. But church family, God is with us. And I just think, I don't want us to be a church that says excuses about the work that God has for us. You are part of God's kingdom. You are part of God's people. If you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you come underneath his authority. You're not living for you or for someone else. You're living for the king. And we have to be people that are courageous and strong in him and a witness in his kingdom. God will give you opportunities to be a witness. He will give you opportunities for, for, for his kingdom to advance. And I want to encourage you, church family, pray for those opportunities, but also take those opportunities. College students, you've got so many young people on that campus questioning what's happening in life right now. I kid you not. You are living in the golden age to tell people about Jesus because they're searching. 100%, they're searching. They don't know who they are yet. They don't know what they're doing. You know, they can't figure out if I should be this degree or that degree. They're going to switch it a thousand times before they finally graduate. But you have an opportunity to bring them the news of Jesus about a king who died for them, who can save them, who can lead them. That's our... That's our task, church family. That's our challenge. Why do we even exist? To be a witness.
I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that the Lord will empower you and strengthen you to be his witness this week and for the years to come. Father, I ask for your spirit to be upon your people. Father, I ask, Lord, that you will empower us to be a witness in this place. Father, you you have such a heart for this world. You came to that cross for this world. Father, give us a heart for this world as well. A heart that will be a witness in this place. When opportunities arise, Lord, give us strength. Give us courage. Let us not walk in fear. Let us not hold back on who you are and what you've done. Father, you called us to that task to be my witnesses. And you will be with us. Father, lead us this week as opportunities come. Father, help us. Lord, bless your people today. Father, as we go, I ask for your hand of blessing upon the offering today, Lord. May we honor you through our giving. But Lord, strengthen us this day. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.